Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. global pandemic, a rise in COVID cases in Japan, the lack of spectators, family and supporters, everything should indicate that Tokyo 2020 in 2021 shouldn't have worked. But like their Olympic counterparts, the Paralympics and the athletes have shone in the sporting world again. I'm Michael. And I'm John, and this is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. And Great Britain, Paralympics GB, to give them their correct name, have once again delivered on the track, the pool, the road, the court, with medal success and performances to be proud of. We'll hear from gold medal winners Sarah Story, the greatest, Hannah Cockcroft, Lauren Rolls, Jodie Cundy, Chris Skelly, and many, many more. What a good cast list we've got for you. We're also going to say goodbye to a few as well. Ellie Simmons in the pool being one. And the UK sports minister out in Tokyo told me this week the Olympic and Paralympic Games have whetted the appetite for the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham next summer. Nigel Huddleston said it will be the first multi-sporting event in the world with capacity crowds again. We'll hear from him. And we'll throw ahead slightly to Paris to try and predict a few Olympic and Paralympic GB headlines. And as ever, you can get in touch anytime. You can find us on Twitter at anythingbutf. You can message us on Instagram and on Facebook. Go online, find us on the World Wide Web at anythingbutfooty.com. There's a contact us form on there. Or you can just drop us an email, anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. Now, Paralympics GB haven't won as many medals as in Rio or indeed as many golds, and they probably won't at the conclusion of the Games. But second place in the medals table again looks like it could happen behind China. And that's something to be proud of as the world of para sport gets bigger, better and develops more. It's not a case of just turning up and winning. What you need to remember about the Paralympics is the athletes are world class and they have to get better each cycle to be a champion. Ask Johnny Peacock. Double Paralympic champion, but joint bronze medalist in Tokyo in the men's 100 metres. Probably the race of the meeting on the track. And that is still a huge achievement, but it shows how hard it is. 
Dame Sarah's story is, undoubtedly, as she was in London, one of the stories of the Games, now undeniably the greatest, the best and the most successful. However you want to describe a 17-time gold medalist Dame Sarah story is one heck of a British sporting superstar. Her three golds in Tokyo have showed that, topped off with her record-breaking 17th gold medal coming from 76 seconds down in the road race in the pouring rain at the Fuji International Speedway Circuit. A little bit strange to kind of finally be finished and to have executed the plan that we came with. Obviously it was about taking each race as it came and trying to make sure that I didn't try get too far ahead. Um, today's race plan didn't really uh, execute the way it was planned. The conditions were completely different to the ones we prepared for. Um, obviously we race a lot in the rain at home um, and I don't mind racing in the rain, I actually quite enjoy it. Um, I've never been you know, sort of affected by that so I knew that that was going to play, play to my strengths um, but it was a very different race to the one I'd anticipated so then you have to kind of think right how am I going to win this race, how is it going to work, what we're going to do and in the end it was actually the descents that made the difference more than the climb could never have imagined that I wouldn't be able to make my eighth games, you know, for as long as possible was in my head, you know, until my late 20s or something. So, um, yeah, to still be here in, in 2021 and at a delayed games as well, um, it does feel very surreal, but obviously I'm very proud. What I find amazing, Michael, is that every single member of the Great British Cycling Team have come away with a medal. And Dame Sarah Story, as you said, just keeps getting better and better and quicker and quicker. Yeah, she's still very much a world-class athlete, isn't she? Three gold medals, breaking world records there. You know, and she's into her 40s now. And this is the question that everyone is saying, well, will, will she go on to Paris? Can she go on to Paris? I, I don't see any reason why not. You look at someone like Jeanette Chippington, for example, who he, she started her Paralympic career in para-canoe, and we'll go on and speak about that later, a games earlier than Dame Sarah's story. She started in 88 in Seoul. And she's just won, I think it's her 14th Paralympic medal, having been a swimmer and now switched to para-canoe. So I don't see any reason why Sarah's story, with the times that she's still posting, Posting, if she wants to, can't go on and compete again in Paris. It's if she wants to. She has a lot else going on in her life with her transport commissioner role, trying to get more people out cycling safely, story racing, Barney the husband, children as well. But what she's shown here is she's still very much at the elite level. Um, you know, she is ahead of the elite level. I think her performances over the past 10 days or so have shown that, haven't they? I think someone asked me, what keeps her going? Why does she keep that drive? And I remember when we spoke to her before going out to Tokyo and she told us this story about how she was 10 years old and she went to the local swimming baths and wanted to join the club. And they said, well, you're a bit too late to be joining a swimming club. You should have joined two or three years ago. And she said, at that moment, I was determined to prove them wrong. And I think she's been proving people wrong ever since and that is the drive that you've got to have you said it earlier of being an elite sportswoman sportsman you have to have that drive and she has got it and i think with paris three years away as you say we'd expect her to go there and extend her medal winning success but nothing is a definite. I heard Alice Tai on the television, the Paralympic swimmer, who we all thought was going to come to Tokyo and perform and win lots of gold medals after doing that at the World Championships in London in 2019. She said, I was planning to come to Tokyo, but I got injured, so I couldn't. So you can never say never, but you would expect Dame Sarah to be there leading the British cycling team. And what a team. Absolutely. New names coming through in that team too. Ben Watson 
who was a surveyor a few years ago, said he was overweight, only took up the sport relatively recently, won a gold in the cycling road race. He also won gold earlier in the week in the time trial. One Paralympic gold medal is insane. First of all, to actually back it up and actually do the road double. Um, I don't think anyone's in the men's side, especially in recent history, has ever done the road double. Uh, so, yeah, to be the first person to do that is pretty crazy. Um, the time trial is obviously a purely solo effort. We uh, have tactics going in. One's gonna rate, one of us is going to win it. And, uh, yeah, the boys were absolutely fantastic today to allow me to actually get away and stay away. Did a lot of blocking, went on my attacks. And then, obviously, Finn was able to jump away. Uh, and then, obviously, Jacko was in the mix for the sprint at the end. So, amazed for those two boys who come off the track. And I really couldn't have done it without them. I often feel it's a little bit unlucky in road cycling that there's not like a team medal as well, because it is a team effort, isn't it, to get you to the front? Yeah, it really is. I think sort of a little bit less so in para. It's not so sort of like the Tour de France. There's, there's less individuality. You wouldn't necessarily ride for somebody who like, you would never have a sort of a Mark Cavendish situation where you've got eight people riding for him and driving into, tra- in, into, a, uh, in, into a sprint finish. But yeah, we all went in there with the potential to win ourselves. And yeah, we uh, went in there with the goal just to win it for one of us. And the fact that the boys were, yeah, helped me really. Like a couple of my really, really good friends. Obviously, I came up through the academy with Finn. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome to actually be able to share that with them. And you told me before that your first look at the the circuit, you really liked it. It really suited you. Why? It's it involves being able to sort of like ride a bike. Sounds like a stupid thing, but it involves just like it's, it's quite technical. It's quite fast. It's not just sat at, and there's not a huge amount of shelves. Obviously, a big thing in bike racing, obviously drafting. So you have pelotons, and it's it's going as hard as you can at the front if you're seven or eight wheels back. You just hardly t- hardly touching the pedals. There wasn't there's not a huge amount of areas to rest here. So if you go into the red, like it can really he- affect you. And the corners are quite technical, um, and it's fast as well. So obviously, if you can carry speed through the corners. Anybody who's missing or not going quite as quickly as you are is going to be burning energy. Obviously, that starts to take its toll throughout this entire road race on the rest of the uh, non-GB riders. What's it been like to be part of such a fantastic British cycling team? Oh, it's awesome. Like, it's there's quite a lot of pressure, obviously, uh, but I think I've responded to that fairly well. Uh, but it, it's awesome. Like In terms of everybody just encourages each other. Like, you see the guys you train in and race with, day in and day out day out and they are absolutely flying so it gives you a lot of confidence like you we spend a lot of lot of the cycle just being really fatigued really tired um and then you come into this race this is what it's all being focused for and you yourself are absolutely flying you're in a, in a great physical state and then you get all the best kit in the world dropped on you and you just go even faster it's crazy but actually having everybody else doing that first this pressure but it's also like oh like the boys are absolutely motoring. Be that Jacko, be that Finn, be that Matt Rosman and Neil Faki, be that the uh, Tandem Endurance boys, be that Kareem Laura or Jenny and Sophie or Scotty and Helen. Like uh, they're, they're all, it's amazing. You see people you talk to day in, day out, absolutely flying. It just gives you great confidence that you do the same when it's your turn. Obviously a bit of pressure, but um, yeah, there's a lot more sort of fundamental backup there that you are going to go well. And a really good bloke as well from the conversations I've had with him this week. Also a good bloke, Jody Cundy, part of the mixed team sprint cycling with Kadena Cox and Jacko Van Gas. That was the highlight of the track cycling program for me. Also won a silver earlier in the week. We'll start, shall we, with that mixed team sprint. The perfect race at the perfect time with the perfect outcome for you. It was the perfect storm. It was all the things that we've been trying to do in training. 
and tried to perfect. We pulled it off in the final. Um, we managed to fix all of the little issues we had in the heat ride. Um, and we managed to find a whole second actually between heat and final, which is pretty unheard of. But we, when we looked back at it, we'd actually made quite a few little mistakes. So yeah, a little bit of fine tuning here. Two teams on the track at the same time. That always makes you go a little bit faster just because of the way the wind blows around. Um, but yeah, it was a, a phenomenal race. And to, to take the world record and win by I think, a couple of hundredths of a second, that's pretty special. It was, a, it was a good race to be part of. It was a pretty special session of cycling to watch. Were you able to feed off the other medal performances during that session? Well, we didn't really let the team down. I mean, we only had three events in there today and we won all of them. So, um, yeah, <laughs> there was no pressure on us at all. Like, uh, yeah, we'd seen Matt and Neil and James and uh, Lewis do their thing in the men's kilo. We'd seen Kareen and Laura and uh, Jenny and Sophie in the, the women's pursuit. So, yeah, we, we, we'd got a hat full of medals already. So, yeah, we, we got on that line and we, we knew we had a job to do. And, yeah, we knew that if everything came right, we could probably do it. And today it was just one of those days where literally perfect place, perfect time. And we just pulled out the ride of our lives. And for you, the first British man to win medals at seven Paralympic Games, does it still feel as good as it did those years ago? It does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, that's a stat that I, I didn't know about until actually I'd won that silver medal the other day. Um, so that was phenomenal to know that like nobody else has done that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, this medal today actually is probably my favourite medal of all the ones I've won. Um, the team events are always enjoyable. I really enjoyed the one we won in uh, Rio in the team sprint. But I think that this one might have topped it just purely for the amount of energy that was on display when we came round. I think uh, we were celebrating and Jacko just literally launched, picked me up and uh, bear hugged me off the ground. And it was, uh, yeah, you could tell it meant so much to everyone. All the coaches were literally jumping up and round and cheering and the reaction and that they had was just phenomenal and every member of the track cycling team is coming home with a medal so that says something about Paralympics GB and something special about British cycling doesn't it exactly we've, we've got a good history at um, track cycling and being pretty proficient at it but yeah to make this team you need to be like medal worthy that's that's kind of one of the first parts so yeah the, all the people that have made this team that there's nobody here that's kind of just making up the numbers. We're all here to uh, come away with medals and try and win if we can. Um, and we've seen that this week. We've seen performances that like no other. Like I think everybody's personal best. Pretty much everybody's either broke a Paralympic record or broke a world record. And uh, yeah, we've come away with, yeah, like like an absolute hat full of medals. I, I believe it's, uh, we might've got two or three more than we did in Rio for the track section of the, the Paralympics. So uh yeah, we did well in Rio and uh, obviously we've uh, done even better here. Well, I've been reading some of the reports about your success today. They're describing you, Jody, as a veteran, which I think is a bit rude. But Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can, in Masters, I'm, I'm in a class now where like, I don't even have to do a full kilometre. It's a 750. So, yeah, I must be getting fairly old in the day. <laughs> but you've got a silver and a gold to celebrate at the moment. And then inevitably people will start talking about another Games and, and Paris, which is just three years away. Yeah, that, it's, it's, the, it's just three years is the, the bit that keeps making me laugh. Um, I think I've learned over the years that as I get older, like it's it's not about oh, the four-year cycle. It's about, can I make it to next week? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, it, I take it year by year, try and keep um, ticking off the little boxes as we go. Uh, as we've seen from these games, I'm still getting faster. So something's obviously working. Um, and yeah, I think I'm just learning to listen to my body. My coach really understands where we're at. We've got a really good 
rapport myself and Dan and we've got an amazing fantastic support team behind us um, which yeah these medals we, we just wouldn't be able to do without them uh, so we've got people that are looking at aero positions our equipment needs making sure our body's in correct shape nutritionists you name it all these people are kind of helping us just to make sure we're at the top of our game um, and yeah Thanks to them, I'm able to do what I am able to do and we'll look to, to go to Paris, but we'll take it year by year and see where we get to. Well, you're definitely at the top of your game. Well done on your silver and your gold today. Really enjoyed watching it. Thanks for the catch up. Excellent. Thank you. Jody Cundy speaking to me from Tokyo, of course. So 24 medals for Paralympics GB in cycling, both road and track. 24 medals uh, for British cycling. I know we're not allowed to call it the Metal Factory. We got told off for calling it the Metal Factory. But the Metal Factory in Manchester at the Velodrome keeps delivering, topping the cycling medal table, their best ever performance. Incredible stuff. Now, as is as in with all games, it's the end of the road for some of the athletes. And knowing when to retire really must be the hardest thing, especially as Paris, as we keep saying, just three years away. But Ellie Simmons knows this is her last. A tearful Ellie told Channel 4 after her fifth place in her final event in Tokyo. That was it for the Paralympics after bursting onto the scene and winning gold at Beijing as a 14-year-old. We'll talk about the Commonwealth Games later and whether she'll be in Birmingham competing in her home crowd. Of course, she's from the West Midlands. One more time, does she carry on for that? So Chris Hoy always surprised me that he didn't do that in Glasgow after the 2012 Olympics. He actually retired before the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. It seemed to work for him. He finished on a high. We'll see what Ellie decides. But the British swimmers do have some new stars coming through as well. Rhys Dunn won five medals, including three golds, one of them a relay. Maisie Newton-Summers won two golds after being inspired by Ellie in 2012. Charlie Kearney won the 100-metre freestyle. Hannah Russell, the 100-metre backstroke again, while Bethany Firth retained her Paralympic backstroke 100-metre gold for a third time, as well as winning the 200-metre freestyle relay. So... Eight golds in total, around 25 medals for British swimmers, slightly below par than usual expectations, we would say. But one of them was a superstar, Maisie Summers-Newton. Here's her on her medals and the Ellie legacy. Well, fantastic week for you, Maisie. How do you reflect on the success and the gold medals that you've picked up this week? Yeah, it's just been absolutely amazing. Um, I don't think it'll sink in until I get home and actually get the time to think about it quietly by myself and rest up but I, it's been more than I've ever expected and for my first Paralympic Games I think it's just been incredible. What's the Paralympic Games experience been like because for those that have been there before it will have been different but you've not known anything else? Yeah I think I've been quite fortunate with that in the sense that I haven't got anything to compare it to so I don't have any like I don't know, bad thoughts of, oh, COVID stopped this from happening or I can't do that. But I think for me, it's just been amazing being with all the teammates again after such a long year and being in an environment with so many people because I'm quite a sociable person. So definitely having people to talk to when you race, that always helps and things like that. But just to be in such an amazing environment with great staff, great support and great athletes has just been so much fun. And is the swim squad as close-knit and as supportive of each other as they appear to be? 
yeah we are (laughs) and yeah I think we've all got really close friendships and because we've all been doing it for such a long time I think we all know how we feel and we all know how hard it can be at times so yeah I definitely think we are really close and we really enjoy experiencing it all together because it's a pretty relentless schedule for you guys you've been on it on it since day one and still going yeah, like um, majority of us have finished now. This is the last day of swimming. And I think uh, Stephen Clegg's got into the final tonight and I think he's the only guy in it. So I think we'll all be cheering back here, cheering him on for the last day. And I think we'll all come together for one last big push for him, hopefully to do really, really well. But I mean, 10 days of swimming that uh, racing programme, it's the longest I've ever done. I've only done seven days before at Worlds and Europeans, but yeah it's been a long time but it's definitely been really really enjoyable and something that I'll take away and learn from as well at the same time I think. How important has Ellie Simmons been in your life? (laughs) Yeah very important um obviously I relate to her on so many levels uh personally and as an athlete I think for every athlete she can inspire anyone and for me she inspired me after London to start racing and competing uh competitively and bring and she's the one who's basically brought me here and to race against her for after Rio for her and the last five years has been incredible and like I say and after the 400 meters yesterday which could have been her last race it will definitely be something to cherish and something I'll never ever forget. Do you feel like she's passed the baton on to you a bit (laughs) the the swim cap if you like this week? Um, I suppose in some ways but I think she'll always have that and I think she'll always remain the the great face of Paralympic sport I think everything she's done for Paralympics GB for any athlete across the world and swimming um I think it's just incredible and it just shows how far Paralympic the Paralympic movement has gone since 2008 when she first started if it is the end for Ellie she has left as you said there just a tremendous mark just not just on para sport but just on sport in general in in the UK hasn't she Oh, yeah, definitely. I think anyone, any athlete or any of my friends, they always know who Ellie Simmons is, but they may not know who any other athlete is. And I think that just shows how much of an impact she's given anyone in sport and, well, any of the great British public, to be honest, because she's honestly such a genuine, nice person. And I think everybody can relate to her. And she's just an amazing athlete. Well, people will know who Maisie Summers-Newton is now after... (laughs) A couple of gold medals, I'm sure. How do you celebrate this? What happens next for you? Um, Well, whilst I've been here, me and the girls in the flat, we've kind of just been celebrating kind of low-key until we get home. But um, we've got the homecoming next weekend, which I think will be a great thing for us all as Paralympics GB. And obviously, I can't wait to get home and celebrate with my friends and family. I think that will be something really to look forward to this weekend. Lots of discussion about legacy always, isn't there, around every Games and particularly I think in this country because of the whole mantra of Inspire a Generation that was, you know, one of the key selling points of, of bringing the Games to London. And, you know, I've been reading some stories in some of the newspapers today following that round of interviews that Nigel Huddleston, the sports minister, has done and people talking to him about participation, you know, being down in some sports. But... I've been hearing it time after time after time and you've been hearing it time after time after time with with some of these elite athletes that we speak to that are at these games 
They are all inspired. They all seem to have a story. With the Olympics, the name Kelly Holmes came up time after time after time, didn't it? Athens, 2004. So you look three, four editions on, and suddenly you're feeling and seeing medalists that remember watching it back in 2004. And I think we're seeing the same thing here at the Paralympics. We're seeing people like... Maisie Summers Newton, Ellie Robinson, another one who who said it that she was inspired watching Ellie Simmons. You know, and Ellie Robinson's been one of the standout stories of the games, not necessarily for, you know, the the performances in the pool, but what she's been saying around uh, Paralympic sport and elite sport in general. So I do think there is a legacy. I do think there is a genuine legacy. I think if you walk around the Olympic Park in London, You'll see the venues there. You'll see the initiatives there. You'll see what's going on there. And I'm not talking about the ABBA reunion that's happening, uh, which sounds like a truly awful idea with holograms, by the way. But you see the sporting legacy and not just the venues, but everything else that's going on there. And and I find it, I would find it very hard to, to make an argument against the legacy of the Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games. And what we did see was lots of finalists for British swimmers and we saw lots of medals being won as well uh, from new names for the Paralympics. Louise Fittis won a couple of medals. Grace Harvey won a, a silver medal. So you do have some new ones coming through. I thought it was interesting. One of the good things about Channel 4 was Mark Woods, the commentator for swimming, uh, the, the the expert on there. And he's, he is a bit concerned about where the next generation are coming through we mentioned bethany firth winning three times a lot of the people jessica jane applegate a lot of them are still winning medals and that's great but you also want to see the next generation coming through and that will be the the big question mark uh, as we move into paris and then probably more into la yeah what i would say about that is i think you've got to trust the system trust the programs and i said and made this point during the olympics when people were talking about the apparent lack of success of british rowing at the Olympics. I said, I think you need to take into account what they do at the Paralympics as well, because I know the funding pots are slightly separate, but it's the same organisation. And I think if you look at the Olympics and the Paralympics and you put them together in swimming, in cycling, the Paralympics have helped British rowing in terms of the medal return there because of the couple of golds uh, that we'll hear about shortly as well. Then I think you can see that the systems, the organisations, the people in the positions of power are probably the right people. And therefore, I have confidence in the same way I did when people were saying to me, well, where are the new British cyclists coming from? You know, Jason Kenny can't go on forever. Laura Kenny can't go on forever. Well, actually, no, we did see new names, didn't we? We saw yeah. Matt Walls and no and- one... It talks about him, but he came back with two gold medals. And so, so- Sophie Unwin, who won a medal... Um, was in a Kent supermarket a year ago. Now she's a Paralympic medalist and th- in, in cycling. And that shows that all the experts, me and you included, don't know all the answers. Trust the process. That's what the athletes tell us. And I think that's what you need to do with these big, well-funded systems. And 352 million is being allocated to Olympic and Paralympic sport heading towards Paris. So, you know, I don't have many concerns if I did have a sport that I might be concerned about, it might be British athletics, actually. Um, at the Olympics, overshadowed by a doping allegation um, with CJ Uja, of course, who was part of that quartet 
who won the silver medal in the men's 4 by 100 metres relay. They were already under pressure after failing to win a gold for the first time since 1996 in Atlanta. Para-athletics is one of the biggest sports at the Games too. A huge number of athletes competing again for British athletics. Hannah Cockcroft continues to shine as one of the leading British Paralympians, certainly off the track and definitely on the track, winning the first of her two events in Tokyo, the 100 metres. Hannah, that was pretty much a perfect race, wasn't it? Six Paralympic gold medals and a world record to boot today. I don't think I could have asked for much more. Yeah, I think perfect race is, is what I'd put to it. I can't think of anything that I would change or have done better. Just kept my composure, especially when Carrie kind of flew out the blocks and left me left me standing. She always does that. <laughs> and I always panic a little, but yeah, just, just kept my composure, kept doing what I do and... Thankfully, came home with number six. <laughs> What's it like to be back on top of the world? It's scary being on top of the world. There is a lot of pressure up here. Um, I, I think, you know, you could see on the start line today, there's so many new girls, so many new faces and names coming through. We had Robin Lambert from Australia, her first time at the Paralympics, her first time on the podium. Um, it just shows how much the sport is growing and moving on. So to still be on top, you know, we're nine years, I think, Two days' time, it's my nine-year anniversary of my first ever Paralympic gold medal. I am getting old. (laughs) (laughs) You say you're getting old, but you're getting better because that's eight world records you've broken this year alone. I haven't been counting, but uh, I'll I'll take that. That sounds good. You know what? I think for me, the pandemic just allowed me a good amount of time to, to step back from what can be quite a demanding schedule, you know, going from training camp to training session to competition. I was always living in my car or in a bus or a plane or wherever I was and just having that time at home to make some changes and just to enjoy my training. That was the most important thing to me. And I think that's really what's made the difference this time and and made the difference to the performances that you're seeing. Um, So maybe, yeah, maybe I need another lockdown in three years time. (laughs) We've spoken quite a lot, though, over this year. We've had many and varied chats. Has it been difficult, though, with that uncertainty? Because as an athlete, what you want is what you can control. And yet all this noise around you is, is it going ahead? Isn't it going ahead? Will there be spectators? Won't there be spectators? How's that been? Yeah, it's been tough. I'm an athlete that I like to know where we're going, what day, what time. It has to be in my diary at least six months in advance. And we just haven't had that. You know, even during the Olympics, it was still... Well, something could still happen. Japan could still go into a massive lockdown. We could still not fly out. Um, And trying to just fight those thoughts mentally was really tough, you know, mentally to get up every morning and still push yourself to the absolute limits to do your training and to get through it has been hard. But I think just, yeah, for me, it was just the enjoyment of what I did that pulled me through. You know, I got up and if I looked at a session and thought that's not for me today, then that was the decision. And I'm so glad that I was able to do that. You know, if this was if this was a real job, then I might not have done it. <laughs> and now girls from Halifax don't cry, but I understand there's been a few tears for you already this morning after this medal. Yeah, oh, I'm very ashamed of myself. I don't cry ever, but it was it was strange being in that stadium alone. Um, obviously, as, as a Paralympic athlete, we don't always have stadiums full, but that is an empty stadium. There is no noise, no atmosphere. And as much as I've tried to prepare for that, it still shocked me a little bit. You know, I still came over the line and, and looked to just just to find somebody and there was nobody. And, and yeah, that got me a little bit. Um, 
you just have to hope you just have to hope that everyone's tuned in everyone's watching at home you know you want to ultimately do your family and friends proud and 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 everyone that's supported you know obviously we've had the support of the national lottery and uh, all the national lottery players and you kind of wish they were all there with you but hopefully I've done them proud I'm, I'm over my tears now now I'm just excited <laughs> Michael, very quickly, she mentioned there about the lack of crowd at the end. She talked about, I looked up to try and see my family. And I think this is something that Dame Sarah Story talked about a little bit as well. And I think we talked about it at the Olympics, that some athletes benefited from not having a crowd there. Others didn't. I wonder with the Paralympics whether... It is, it has been harder for them because, not to put too fine a point on it, Sarah, Dame Sarah Story has always had her mum and dad at every single event in everything she's done. And in some cases, they were the only crowd. And then to suddenly not have them there would be a bigger thing. And I think that's the same with, with Hannah and, and maybe for others. And I think maybe we have we slightly underestimated not having a crowd for the Paralympians more than we, we maybe did with the Olympians. Yeah, I think you're right because the Paralympics is potentially the only time, um, unfortunately, that many of our leading Paralympians will race or compete in front of a crowd. So to have that taken away is probably a bigger deal than if you are one of the world-class Olympic athletes where you may be competing in front of a crowd at Diamond League meetings or at Europeans or World Championships or whatever it is. I'm surprised, you know, with what Hannah Cockroft said there that she was looking up, looking for someone because I remember her saying after 2012 that she was looking up, trying to find someone, but her eyesight's that bad um, that she couldn't even with a full capacity crowd. So, (laughs) yeah, um, that's, that's me sort of, trying to put a slightly humorous spin on it but yes the the bigger more serious point is that um i think it probably has been harder for some people you know this this might literally be a once in five year once in a lifetime chance and and they won't have that moment again whereas i think as i said with some of the athletes who are on like the diamond league circuit or whatever they're not huge crowds but there's an audience in the thousands there quite regularly to see them Elsewhere in the athletics, seven golds in total, including Cockcroft's, Andrew Small, Thomas Young, which I thought was a brilliant race. He held off the two favourites uh, in that 100 metres dash, which was incredible. Daniel Pembroke totally blew away the javelin. Sophie Hahn continues to deliver down the sprints. And overnight, Jonathan Broom Edwards and Owen Miller as well. Great to see uh, a longer distance. Owen Miller winning the 1500 metres. Great to see a, a gold medalist there as well. Some probably disappointment, maybe, um, for Steph Reed, who finished fourth in the long jump. David Weir uh, fi- failed to reach a couple of finals for him Uh, Richard Whitehead getting a silver although he said afterwards please don't judge us on the colour of our medals people have gone through so much adversity and challenges the medal isn't everything it's the commitment and desire that counts uh, which I think is is, is a really good point well made and actually desire I really wanted to say Sammy Kinghorn I thought did brilliantly in the wheelchair racing Um, she won her first two medals after being at Rio and then coming to Tokyo a bronze and a silver she was over the moon with those performances and also some new names like Columba Blango uh, with a bronze and Maria Lyle with her two bronzes as well was great to see and that universal relay Michael brilliant imagine that in a full house 
We had yeah. Libby, you had Libby Clegg who, who's who's retiring after her uh, brilliant uh, gold medal, of course, in Rio. So she was the first leg of the four by one. Then Johnny Peacock, and he stormed down the back track. That was uh, unbelievable from Johnny. And then uh, Ali Smith, who's a young up and coming runner as well, uh, did well to hold on to Nathan Maguire, who who got the bronze in, in, in the wheelchair. It was such good mixture of male and female and classifications as well. Yeah, it was a really, really good event, you know, and I'm I'm pleased that Johnny Peacock was part of it. Um, he's had quite a sort of ruptured um, build up to these games with injuries and things. Obviously had that joint bronze I said earlier on in the podcast, didn't I? That for me was the race. I know we've not seen all the athletics yet, but but what a race um, that was. And, and four of them in the end getting medals, which was just fantastic. But yeah, relays are, are just exciting, aren't they, are. they? They always deliver. And, you know, the IPC and indeed the IOC are finding new and inventive ways of getting relays on the programme. They need to attract attract a TV audience they need to attract younger people and you know that's the way to do it isn't it and if mixed relays and in this case in in the Paralympics the points relay is the way to do it I'm I'm all for it you know I, I I've loved watching some of the relays at the swimming loved watching this relay um at the athletics as well I loved watching um the mixed team triathlon um, at the Olympics as well. I thought that was that was really good, really exciting to watch. Mm. So, yeah, all for it. I mean, I said I felt with the Olympics, some of the new events energised it for me. Um, and I would say exactly the same about the Paralympics. These events can't stand still, no matter what the traditionalists might want. We can't put the same programme on time after time after time. It needs to develop. What I'd say about that, just quickly, is I don't think you can just put sports in there and take them out and then maybe bring them back two editions down the line because if you want to build programs and offer some certainty for people's mental health and, you know, people are working in these organisations to say, you know, you're on the program, this is it now, this is your role, this is your job, this is your career, I think you need to have that sort of level of certainty. So you'd hope to see sort of para-badminton, para-taekwondo stay if possible, but within the disciplines, within the sports, it is nice to mix it up a bit. We've got four gold medalists still to come from the Paralympics and a silver medalist and the sports minister as well. This is anything but footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. And away from the big three sports of cycling, swimming and athletics, there have been great performances and medals in other sports. Two golds out of four rowing races for Paralympics GB, as Michael mentioned earlier, including Lauren Rolls and Lawrence Whiteley retaining their pairs title. Well, congratulations to you both on the gold medal. Lawrence, I'll come to you. Another gold medal at the Paralympics. Does it just get better and better, the feeling? That's what they say, and I can tell you it does. Yeah, it's been a fantastic day. Um, yeah, I think it's one that we, we you dream about and you hope about. Um, and in the expectation of reality, yeah, it definitely matches that. It's been a phenomenal experience so far. And Lauren, when you go in as defending champions, is there a bit of extra pressure on you? Do you feel that or does it bring confidence? I think you mostly put that on yourself as well. You put that expectation of everything we've been doing in training. You know, you, you continuously push yourself to produce a performance that you feel like is gold medal worthy and some. And I think that when we went out there today, the pressure we put on was not necessarily being so externally focused around what, retaining our title meant but more producing the performance that we were proud of and that's what we wanted to go out there today and do. And Lawrence can you talk us through the race from your point of view? 
Yeah, it was one that we obviously discussed. We had a plan that we, we stuck to. Um, we were definitely expecting the field to go out like they did. Um, and we knew at some point down the track that we would catch them. Um, as Lauren said, that puts a great deal of trust and, and confidence in our own abilities. Um, and, and, and again, keeping it internal. I mean, the race was kind of with ourselves, not let everyone else worry about us. We're just going to sit in our lane, do our own thing, row our own race, do our own performance that we know we're capable of. Um, let them guard the box how they did. That's fine. We will catch them and trust that it will come back our way at some point down the track. Um, and, and that's a very difficult thing to, it's a very difficult thing to do, to trust that it will come back when you're, you can, you can center your length down by three, 400 meters and go, that's fine. Because when we're a K down the track, it's gonna, it's gonna flip. Um, unfortunately it did. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely one of our, not the quickest racing we've ever done, but I think as a performance, uh, as a, I think as a good guide on how to skull a PR2 mixed double, I think we've, we've definitely demonstrated the best of our abilities and talents today. And Lauren, what can you tell us about going up on that podium today? How was it different, obviously, with no spectators around and all the different protocols in place this time? I often wondered how it would feel when it came to doing podiums with COVID. And earlier on this year, we got to experience one of those at European Championships. Uh, and for us, it was a very strange process of not having really supporters in the stands and wearing your masks, not being allowed to take them off and not being even able to hug each other or say well done to each other, really. And even though we were in a crew together, but staying socially distanced. And I wonder when we came here what it would be like and, you know, wanting to make sure that you'd be respectful, but also can you celebrate that moment and, and live in that moment? And we most certainly did that today. You know, the procedures that are in place, everything we're doing here makes it feel so safe that when we stood on that podium, it felt like standing on the podium back in Rio, I guess, but I suppose a little bit different. And so our family and friends weren't with us. I think so many of our team were out there. Our chef de mission was out there. Captain Granger was out there. You know, and when we have those people around us that are shouting and screaming for us as loud as what the crowds would be, you know, Polish TV have really made that feel like um, the crowds were there today and to feel that love was, was immense and to see our, our coaches in the stands, you know, nothing was better than that. And I was really pleased about that gold medal, not least because Lawrence Whiteley went to the same school as my daughters. And uh, I was completely unprofessional and used my opportunity to interview Lawrence Whiteley for National Radio to get him to commit to uh, coming in to do a school assembly and uh, bring his medal. Um, because I thought that would be quite exciting for my children to see. Uh, I've already emailed the school and volunteered my services to lead that Q&A for the usual fee. To be fair, Michael, Lawrence Whiteley will show your kids his medals. To be fair, they haven't seen you for about six weeks. Yeah, you're two girls. So uh, I think that's a fair trade-off. Well, absolutely. It'd be nice for them to, to know what I've been up to, at least. Uh, let's move on to powerlifting. Ali Joar didn't get a medal this time, but what a performance to even get to the powerlifting finals. Louise Sugden, Olivia Broom and Mickey Yule all did pick up medals after missing out in Rio in the judo. Chris Skelly won a gold in Tokyo. I'll be honest, I didn't sleep. I mean, we've got two hours. I'm running on two hours sleep um, for the last 48 hours. So it's quite a surreal moment. I kind of, I woke up in a panic thinking it was competition day again. And then I rolled over and I tried to find my glasses and I felt my medal. I was a bit like, oh, 
I've done it. So, yeah, it, it's not sunk in, everyone. It's, I'm still processing this time. I'm still trying to understand what I've done. And I think it'll sink in in the next few days. After Rio, did you allow yourself to visualise this moment? Did you think about it a lot? Did it dominate your build-up, your preparations? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it dominated my, my thoughts, but it was a huge driving factor for me wanting to kind of hit the road running again quite quickly. Um, you know, and I, I think everything happens for a reason. And I think maybe that, that time in Rio was meant for me not to kind of achieve that goal because I wasn't ready. And I needed to kind of work on certain areas that I was not strongest on and was quite weak in certain areas and kind of go back to the drawing board and try to figure it out. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I did that. And, you know, it's still, you know, I know I'm currently champion, but, you know, it's put a big target on my back now and I can't take my foot off the gas. So I'll enjoy my time and enjoy myself for the next few weeks and I'll be looking to kind of get back training hard and making sure I'm ready to kind of hit the road running again when I start competing. What has judo done for you then? As a person, it's really, it's really molded me. Like I, you know, it's been there in the darkest time of my life. Um, it's a hobby that I love. Like I, I never dreamt of sitting here now talking to you as a parent and being doing judo as a job. Like that's quite a surreal moment as well. Um, that's jammed down to UK sport and national lotto and British judo believing in me. So thank you to them guys. Um, and yeah, I just. It just means everything. Like, I get to represent my country, my family, my fiance, my friends, my home city. I get to represent them on the biggest stage, and it's a huge honor to represent them. And I just can't believe I'm doing it. And what was the podium moment like? There were some tears from you yesterday. I, I, I kind of I occasionally find myself welling up now because I just, it's just like, I, 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 I literally, the best feeling ever to kind of, you've worked so hard to get to that point and then to kind of stand there and hear the national anthem, you're going, you're singing along and you're crying, you can hear your coaches and your teammates who's been behind you and like singing it with you and you just start welling up and I, yeah. I, I try not to cry now, I'm, I'm an emotional wreck. Talk to me about pork pies. How much do you love a pork pie? Um, to my nutritionist and my coach's annoyance a lot, um, I, you know, I always say I think I'd be more ripped, but because I love pot pies, that's why I'm not as ripped. Um, you know, I do have, I'll be honest, I have some love handles, you know, um, because of the pot pies. Um, but you know what? It's a guilty pleasure and, you know, I trade really hard, I, I, you know, I train myself into the ground, so occasionally I like to treat myself to a pot pie. And I, it's my favourite savoury snack, alongside, just below, actually just above the sausage roll. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, I, love my, I love my food. And it's the thing you said you wanted to do first when you get home. A pot pie is going to be on the menu at your wedding, which you're now planning. <laughs> so, um, I'm trying to convince, well, I think she's convinced, my fiance. I'm trying to, I've, I've, I think she's quite convinced. She's going to do a pot pie cake in the evening. So um, hopefully we'll be able to cut two cakes, a sweet one for our bre wedding breakfast and a, and a saving one for our evening do. So that's, you know, cross fingers for that. But, you know, it's, um, you know, I just, I, I try to love life. and I, You know, I try to just make sure I enjoy life as much as possible because, you know, I'm just very lucky to be here.
Well, Chris, it's great to speak to you today. Thanks very much for your time. Enjoy the wedding preparations and enjoy the pork pies. Thank you very much. I hope I get a sponsorship deal for this. I love my pork pies. I hope they use that bit on the radio and uh, yeah. and the pork pie people come looking for you. Love Chris Skelly. Absolutely yeah. delighted for him. He wants a pork pie cake for his wedding, he was telling me, because he's obsessed with pork pies. He said, I, I'll be honest, he said, I've got love handles. He said, I'd be a bit more ripped if I could lay off the pork pies. Uh, but his, his fiance uh, was commentating on the wheelchair tennis for Channel 4. And they're getting married in a few months. And he said, we've agreed that we're going to have a, a traditional cake for the wedding breakfast. But for the evening, we're going to have a big pork pie cake. And wow. uh, she has retweeted this as well. So I think now it's in the in the plans, isn't it? Definitely. Out there. Talking of weddings, you can't have a wedding without a bit of dancing. And you can't have anything but footy without a bit of dancing. Horse dancing. Uh, this time, though, of course, dressage success continued for Great Britain in the power equestrian winning eight medals in total, with Salee Pearson and Breeza winning three golds. Salee, 12th Paralympic gold medal for you. Are they all as special as each other? Mm-hmm. Every single one of them means something. And um, it's kind of a recognition to blood, sweat and tears. But, I mean, working with horses and travelling the world with them, even if you don't medal, you've got a lot of blood sweat and tears into into your career with horses but today's I'm over the moon I um I'm on a homebred horse I I met him when he was uh, hours old when he was born in the field at my parents and um being slowly introduced him to the world and producing him and competing him um for and and then getting selected on him for his first Paralympic Games yeah and my six i think i am i am that old and um he's uh, an adorable horse he's so friendly and loving but he's also very sensitive so my fear was that he may um go into the arena and it might be too big of an environment because although we haven't got the audiences here that we have at previous games um it's still actually a really big environment with all the support staff and the other riders from other nations here and um and it's like going into an amphitheatre. Um, but, yeah, really proud of him. And you were very mo- emotional at the end. Why so much emotion today? I think because he gave his heart and his legs to me. Uh, my horse, Breezer. Uh, it's, it's going to be more emotional on a horse that you've known for so long. And, and, and you've got so much hopes because you do believe in him. I believe that he is talented in his way of going and, and, and his brain and his desire to want to work with uh, me, his dad. Uh, missing friends and family at home, I think. And um, the whole selection period and quarantine and flying out here and settling him and, and training him and riding him, it, 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 is, it is exhausting mentally and physically. And um, so I didn't actually know the score. I didn't know the result. Uh, um, trying to work out my team's clapping whether it was a, a gold medal clapping or a medal clapping or a, you survived dressage arena clapping without falling off um and my groom uh, i hear jane lee's i looked at her said do you know do you know the results she said, i don't and then uh, there was lots of thumbs up which kind of um you hope that that's a, a gold medal thumbs up and then we were hearing the scores as we left the arena and thought that was good enough um, so just yeah just emotional just emotional I'm becoming a, uh, an emotional old man that's what fatherhood does for you isn't it becoming a dad and not having friends and family there it all 
adds up, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I have become a dad last year, um, a foster dad. And that has, you've certainly hit the nail on the head. That is a, a lovely emotional roller coaster, but it's still an emotional roller coaster, nevertheless. And, uh, and, and I just think caring for somebody else and wanting the best for somebody else more than yourself you're an individual and you're not uh, not a dad um does does affect you psychologically yeah and um i've spoken to my parents and him and he and they, they are all really proud and uh, i think there was lots of uh, air punching air punching going on in 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 my, my parents living room and um yeah kind of extra special because of that uh, family scenario and just finally then, you have to go again. More medal chances up for grabs. What's the plan now? So, um, Visa will have a day of rest tomorrow. I might take my hack around the gallop track here. Um, and then uh, I compete in the team test uh, on the 28th. Um, that's not a medal, a medal, individual medal. I, even if I win the class, I don't get a medal for that. The, the, the scores are combined. Uh, the three scores from uh, myself, uh, Natasha Baker and Sophie Wells. George has come out as Georgia Wilson, who's done really well today, getting a bronze medal. Really proud and pleased for her. But she came out as an individual. So our scores are added together and we go against all the other nations here from around the world to dictate a, a team medal. We've, we've won every team gold at Paralympic level since Atlanta. Obviously, I only joined on the Sydney Games only 21 years ago. Um, we're on young horses. This is no excuse, but we're all on young and inexperienced horses. So I think I can speak for my team members that would be really pleased with a, with a medal of any colour. Um, it won't be a case of losing the gold medal because working with animals, young horses, anything can happen. It will be a case of, wow, we've got a medal if, if we get a medal. And then for me, on the 30th, I go forward for my freestyle to music. Um, and talking about music, my team tests, we're allowed to match music up. So it's not a freestyle to music, but we're allowed to have his own background music. And uh, there's a certain young man at home that likes Liverpool Football Club. Not likes, is unbelievably passionate about football and Liverpool of his club. So you might recognise my background music for the team tests. And then I, I'm not going to give anything away, but uh, on my freestyle on the 30th, it's uh, quite funky uh, Japanese theme going on. Well, congratulations. Enjoy today's medal and best of luck for the rest of the Paralympics. Thank you very much. And thank you for your um, interest and support. It means a lot. It's really difficult, I think, for the dressage team because, you know, you've not got to just get yourself to the games, um, but you've got to get your horse to the games as well, as we know. And... I think what's been fantastic about the success of the dressage team here is that it was a group of young new horses and so they weren't expecting that medal return of eight and I certainly think Lee Pearson and I spoke to him at a, a national lottery event that you and I did which we were working on it for UK Sport for the medals and more podcasts that Catherine Granger does and he was saying there's so many variables in equestrian and dressage and the traveling and everything else um, and then they'd obviously prepared the horses because they thought there might be crowds there, and then there weren't crowds there, um, but they were still in a big arena, so the horses could still be spooked. So, you know, I think the, the return 
Um, and, you know, I love watching the dressage. I wouldn't say I know too much about it. Um, but the return of medals and seeing the performances and seeing the medals that Lee Pearson has won again, and he goes back to Sydney in 2000 and has continued to do it and do it at the very highest level. Whether he can take over from Dame Sarah's story um, is a big, big ask. I don't know. But, you know, let's just enjoy that success this time around, I think. Yeah, and well done to Georgia Wilson as well, who got called up with a week to go. Sophie Christensen, who was a London 2012 Paralympic champion, as you mentioned, had had issues uh, with the horse and, and the horse wasn't fit. So Georgia Wilson got called up and she came back with a couple of bronze medals. And that is strength in depth. British para canoe is now one of our strongest sports since its arrival in the Games in Rio five years ago. What they've been particularly good at, para canoe, is picking up athletes from other sports and transferring them into the programme. Jeanette Chippington, 51, former swimmer, won a battling bronze to win a medal at her seventh consecutive Games, having first competed as a swimmer at Seoul in 1988. Rob Oliver also made the podium in what could be his final race, although I've spoken to him and he's now beginning to think about going towards Paris, although he said he probably needs to have that conversation with his wife before he has it with me. He was the only one that didn't win a medal in Rio of the para canoe team. And he was saying to me, he said, the team kept getting invited to awards ceremonies and dinners and events. And when all the invites would arrive, there wouldn't be one for him. Everyone else would go and it would never be him. So he's looking forward to an improvement on his social life, having winning, having won the men's KL3 bronze following a photo finish. He said it took an absolute age. It was like the 10 years he'd been canoeing to wait to see whether GBR or AUS was going to come up. Emma Wiggs is a double Paralympic champion after winning the VL2 event five years after victory in the KL2 event in Rio. It's brilliant, you know, and and to win um, the the gold in the VAR for the first time is just an incredible, incredible moment for our sport. You know, we know it's an incredible sport. We know that the VAR is a, is a great boat to paddle. Um, but obviously, with, with the kayaks being in Rio, this was a great addition. So I think another little bit of history, and I'm really proud to, to be a part of that. Yeah, just explain what's changed between last time and this time. So in Rio, we had six events that were all kayak, which is a double-bladed uh, paddle. And then this time around, they've introduced the VAR boat, which is essentially a canoe with a single bladed paddle. So there are a couple of men's events and then one women's event in the VAR. So I'm fortunate enough to classify in, in both those boats. So I've had my work cut out uh, over the last five years trying to, to get two boats up to speed. How difficult has it been that para canoe has been at the end of the games? You've had to sit and watch this role of success over the past sort of seven, eight days. Yeah, I think I think we're quite lucky. We were in a really lovely holding camp uh, on the other side of Japan, um, just staying relaxed, staying out of the, the the busyness and the vibe of the village, and just focusing on the last bits of training. So we came into the village with about five days to go, um, and then we've just embraced it all and and just been waiting, lovely to get racing, and uh, we were desperate for today to come. What can you tell me? How can you describe race day from your point of view then? Yeah, well, it was it was an earlier start than I would have liked. Um, I'd set my alarm, uh, but I woke up about an hour and a half before my alarm. So, uh, but I, I think I felt ready and I felt, you know, what, like I wanted to get ready to, to race. So we just then, you know, get our food in, get to the course, try and stay relaxed and then really focus on on getting on that start line in the best possible position to deliver. And that's really where our world-class staff come in. You know, we're so fortunate that we train all together in Nottingham um, as a central programme. 
because the lottery fund us to, to, to be a programme sport and it makes such a difference, Michael, to be able to train together, practice together and that allows us to then be ready in these, in these big moments when they come. And you've had the podium moment before, but describe today's one for me. Yeah, it was it was it was quite soggy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We were we were quite emotional. Um, it, it was we found out just before we went on that Rob had also got a bronze. So to be there with Jeanette, who is just the most incredible person, firstly, but also athlete. You know, I think she's she's won a medal today, 33 years after her first medal. So, you know, she's a phenomenal athlete and friend. And, and it was it was a really incredible moment that I'll remember for the rest of my life to to be on that on that podium with her and that was medal number 100 for Paralympics GB I think it's a 103 now so it's been a really tremendous games hasn't it absolutely and I think you know we're just so grateful as a team that the Japanese people and the organizing committee have done such a phenomenal job to to get us here you know it was so important for the continued development and the and the growth of the Paralympic movement that these games went ahead and I just am so grateful to, to everybody that's made that happen. And every single person that I've met um, from this amazing country has been overwhelmingly kind and, and welcoming. And, and it was lovely, actually, to share the medal moments with those volunteers at the course. You know, in spite of the fact there were no spectators, it really felt they were overjoyed and, and like our family. So, yeah, huge thank you to them to, to allow us as a, as a Paralympic GB team to be delivering the incredible performances we are. So just finally, what does it mean to you then to have this medal? Uh, it means a huge amount. I think, you know, I've had a, a difficult couple of years and, and I think it's been um, a lot of up, ups and downs for myself and for my family and my support team. Um, so I'm just really proud to have, have been able to deliver it for for all the people that have helped me. And, you know, every single person that that plays the lottery deserves a little piece of of this medal because, you know, I couldn't be the athlete I am if I wasn't able to train full time. So I'm just incredibly grateful and uh, overwhelmed at, at what we've done today. Great to see Emma. And you mentioned about these uh, picking up athletes who've done other things. She was in the sitting volleyball team in London 2012. And then uh, it moved, of course, as you said, to be victorious in Rio and Tokyo as well. Wheelchair rugby gold. That was uh, a, a surprise in, in some ways and a disappointment, Michael, that the Rugby League World Cup has now been cancelled in this country. Yeah, that's a huge disappointment that we're not going to have the wheelchair, um, the Rugby League um, World Cup with the wheelchair events and the men's events and the women's events. I think that was a really imaginative way of staging that competition. And I think it would have captured the public imagination, the way that that competition was going to be staged because it was going to be so inclusive. On the wheelchair rugby gold medal, I think the games usually deliver one team moment that gets the country talking. We know about Is this where you're going to mention Gold Coast? It is where I'm going to mention Gold Coast and the netball. (laughs) But I was going to mention Rio and the women's hockey first. Oh, yeah, Um, we did that together. We did that one together. We were both there. There's photographic evidence um, of us by the bins. That's another story. Uh, Wheelchair rugby. Um, I just thought that was fantastic. And the great thing about the wheelchair rugby is it's a mixed event as well. And I think many people um, called it a, a men's event, but it's actually a, a mixed event. And, and you know, for, for Great Britain, there was a first ever female medalist. Uh, didn't actually get to play in the final, um, but she was obviously part of the squad, gets that gold medal. So, you know, that was a real highlight over a Sunday lunch. And I, I just was looking at my social media feed and it just seemed to really capture that public imagination. A bit like the netball at the Gold Coast. 
<laughs> uh, also, great success for para table tennis. Seven medals. Uh, Will Bailey, of course, was a Paralympic champion in Rio, but they've come back and they've won many more medals this time. And I'm going to have a quick word for Greg Baker, the head coach, who we met again at a UK sport event and, and interviewed him for Medals and More podcast with Catherine Granger. And he was so focused in helping these athletes through and what these guys have been through. And we'll hear a little bit of the next interview of, of some of the challenges that they've had. A really great team performance and a great medal. And it reminds me, Michael, a little bit, a bit like the gymnastics uh, in Rio in the Olympics, where we suddenly won more medals than we thought. And I think the table tennis has been, and, and that's sometimes down to, to Will and his profile and Strictly and etc. but everybody else who've played their part on that as well. Here's um, uh, Michael's latest interview with the table tennis silver medalists. Well, I'll start with you. Return of two silver medals from these games. How do you look back at that? Um, yeah, mi mixed emotions, really. I mean, I, I'm so proud to be to be winning a medal with my teammate here, Paul, after his amazing wins in the team, and he deserves it every single moment. But I'm also gutted that I didn't win, retain my title. You know, I, I knew I was in a good shape and I knew I prepared well. So that's sport, though, you know. This is elite sport. This is hard, so... Yeah, I take it. Two silver medals is an incredible achievement. So I'm, I'm super proud of that. And Paul, a couple of medals for you too. How do you reflect on your Paralympics? Um, it's been like a dream for me. Pre-games, if you'd have told me I was going to come home with two medals, I wouldn't have believed you. I had some great performances in the singles against players who were very difficult. And then in team event to beat Spain was just amazing for me. That semi-final win, I mean, the pressure was on. That was terrific entertainment to watch, wasn't it? It was pretty hard to watch when I was watching Paul play because, you know, he's more than just my teammate. You know, I've, I've known him for 15 years and I've shared a room with him for 15 years. So, with uh, you know, when we go playing tournaments together, so I mean... I felt every, I tried to play every shot with him and I felt, I felt helpless watching He's someone who can inspire the whole country with his story and where he's come from, you know. He had a stroke when he was seven years old. He learned to talk again. He learned to walk again. He learned to play table tennis. I mean, this guy deserves more than just a medal. He, he deserves everyone's, um, he deserves, deserves everyone's respect and I hope he gets it now. I hope he gets what he deserves. So all in all, I think I would say I've really enjoyed the Paralympics this time around. Obviously, you know, I've been covering it for radio, but been watching a lot of the coverage on the television. Some of it's been a bit hit and miss for me. It's difficult because whilst Channel 4 do have access to all the streams, which the BBC didn't at the Olympics, which they got criticised for because people um, were used to having the access to all the streams, there isn't the level of coverage from the host broadcasters um, available to Channel 4. So a lot of the sports that we have had success in, we haven't been able to see and follow in the way that we would like. So a lot of the fencing medals that were won, I only saw still photographs, for example. Haven't seen uh, any badminton. And, and you've been saying as well, taekwondo is, is another sport where TV coverage seems to be very lacking. Yeah, well, we've won a silver medal, Beth Munro. So she's the first para-taekwondo Paralympics GB medalist. And well done to her. We, we have Amy Truesdale and Joseph Lane going as well. But it's disappointing because we knew how brilliant Taekwondo was in the Olympics and we actually haven't seen any of that. And I 
I, to be honest, have been disappointed with the Channel 4 coverage. I have, I, I think Claire Balding has been remarkable and, and brilliant and, and crossing from one live sport to another. And they have done that better, I thought, through the day. But I'll be honest, I could not watch the breakfast show. It, it felt too much like the one show for me. I wanted to know what had happened overnight rather than speaking to family members in a back garden. It was I, fe- I felt like I wanted to tune in and go, right, here's what's happened overnight. Here's all their races. And we didn't kind of get that, that highlights package um, at, at breakfast time. And I, and I actually stopped watching it for that reason and, and did most of the work listening to you excellently on the radio um, and also through social media as well. And I do wonder... And all these things are here to change. And you said it earlier, just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean that it should carry on. I wonder whether it's time the BBC sat down, got their heads together, looked at their success from the Olympics and thought, could we now do that for the Paralympics and and give Channel 4 a bit of a run for their money? Because I feel at the moment that it's just been left to Channel 4 and they are doing the best job that they can do and it has changed opinions and they do it in a different way I understand that Um, but as a sports fan I was frustrated with it I was frustrated with the coverage and I didn't feel like it gave me enough and I know other people who felt that way as well now they have had live feeds on the computers and on phones and maybe lots of people have, have just watched one sport but I believe one of the magics of the Olympics and the Paralympics is you tune in and you get sport coming at you all the, all the, all the time and you keep crossing back and forth to, to where the medal moments are. And it felt like, well, no, we've got people at the swimming, so we're going to stick with that. Or we've got people at the athletics, we're going to stick with that. Yeah, I don't think the coverage of the Olympics was perfect and I probably watched more of it than most, to be honest, because I was literally sat up every night from 11 o'clock uh, with all the monitors in front of me. Um, and I've done exactly the same with the Paralympics. I didn't watch too much of the breakfast program because I'd watched all the overnight coverage. So I had seen most of it live. And then obviously from a work point of view with radio, breakfast time is important. Um, so I didn't watch a lot of the recaps. Could it go back to the BBC? Well, I think Channel 4 have hinted they might not have as much money in the future for it. I think they should be congratulated for turning the coverage on its head as they did in 2012. Um, yeah, but, you absolutely. know, it, it, will, it will be up for grabs again. The BBC might say, look, if a commercial operator wants to pl- run the Paralympics and go with it, then as a public service broadcaster, we'll let them do it because our remit is to provide something that no one else is doing. Now, they always, of course have that then uneasy balance between ratings and things that they do want to do because we know for a fact that other people would pick up Premier League football but it's still important to the BBC to have Premier League football as part of their portfolio. What they will have as part of their portfolio will be the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. It's less than a year away and I've been speaking to Sports Minister Nigel Huddleston who was out in Tokyo. You're Minister for the Commonwealth Games as well. That is an inclusive event and we get to do it all again yeah. in a year. Is everything on track with Birmingham? Ticket sales seem to be going well. Yes, it's a, it's a, one of those remarkable things on track and on budget. You don't get politicians saying that very often. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, that is going to be something that, again, I think is extraordinary. And I think the Olympics and Paralympics here in Tokyo have whetted the appetite for the Commonwealth Games. They've certainly helped with the interest in the ticket sales. It's just been West Midlands ticket sales so far, but the national ticket sales, I think, start next week, actually. Um, and we've seen incredible interest so far. 
Um, and they are very different games. And I think it's very important that the uh, the para games are integrated so that uh, it's it's really quite a, quite an extraordinary event. They're often called the friendly games because there is a different tone and different atmosphere there. Um, but we're going to see, and this is the important thing, many of the athletes who've uh, achieved great things in Tokyo, uh, not all of them, but many of them, will be at the Commonwealth Games. And what a great opportunity for people to be able to see them face-to-face, -face, live, in Stadia. Because what we hope and expect is that Commonwealth Games will be the first major international sporting event, multi-sporting event, with full Stadia. And, uh, and so it will be an extraordinary uh, event, not only for Birmingham, the West Midlands and the UK, but actually, quite frankly, the sporting world. And just finally, in terms of the Commonwealth Games, do you think you as minister might have to put forward another UK city for it to carry on in 2026? Because there doesn't seem to be much appetite around the world at the moment. Well, I think actually uh, the, the history of the Commonwealth Games is that they tend to actually be net, net economic contributors. So there is a pretty good track record with Glasgow, with um, Gold Coast, and actually we're hoping for special things with Birmingham. But I think the extraordinary events of the last couple of years with, with COVID and so on has made the, the bidding for and holding major international events a little bit cautious by a lot of countries, but I'm confident that they'll find uh, somebody else to continue uh, with that. And I'm sure at some point in the future, we'll be bidding for other cities or groups of cities as well for the Commonwealth Games, and I would be supportive of that. But uh, I, th I think it's a bit too early to, to be a bit pessimistic about that. Uh, but I am sure and confident we'll have a very successful Games in Birmingham. Quite a big statement, Michael. The first multi-sporting event with a full crowd. Yeah, I think he kind of said it and then sort of <laughs> railed hoped. back then, from it a little like, bit, didn't, didn't he? Um, you've got to hope that by next summer, you know, and we've got the, the women's European football as well. You've got to hope that those two events take place with, with full crowds again. I seem to think in this country we are at that point with the Wimbledon finals, with the Euro 2020 and 2021 final at Wembley. Um, albeit what happened there with the supporters, the crowd and everything else that went on. I think we are at the point now, Premier League football's restarted with crowds. We've got crowds at Test Cricket um, that I think it's it's back. Never say that it won't go away again. If one thing the last 18 months has taught us, let's never rely on saying that something is, is there for a permanent um, fixture, if you like. Uh, but I would hope that the Commonwealth Games um, will be a great opportunity to see full crowds again. And there'll be lots of these people, as Nigel Huddleston said in the interview, lots of these people that we've been supporting in the Olympics and the Paralympics, because that's what makes the Commonwealth Games quite unique is it's quite an integrated event. So hopefully we will see people that we've been supporting in Tokyo at both the events in Birmingham for the Commonwealth Games. Well, China topped the medal table, by the way, at the Paralympics. And of course, they host the next Games, the Winter Olympics and Paralympics in Beijing in just six months time. February the 4th, 2022. Yes, we get to do it all again and Michael will need his matchsticks once again to keep his eyes open through the night before Paris gets underway on July 26th 2024. Any predictions Michael for Paris at this moment? Well I think it'll be a successful games for Team GB and for Paralympics GB. Um, the investment is there again you know, £352 million of national lottery money, of our money, is being put into teams. So I think there's no reason to believe that pandemics aside and 
who knows what else might crop up in the next three years. There's no reason to believe that we're not going to send two very, very well-prepared teams. I think there'll be tremendous anticipation for the event because it's it's not a home games, but it's in very nice time zones um, as far as we're concerned. And I think a lot of people might want to get to Paris and, and will get to Paris to support. And I would hope that Tom Daly gets to carry a flag at the uh, opening <laughs> or closing ceremony. You are, you are still bagging all about that. He should have carried this flag, shouldn't he? Well, I, I think so. It just This time around, he was obviously so focused on his performance um, that that had to come first. And then obviously with the closing ceremony, it was always going to be probably one of the cyclists that was in action on the last day because everyone else was was headed home or were already at home so hopefully when things get back to normal and the opening ceremony in Paris um, at the the Stade de France we will have a full crowd there and we'll have a big delegation of team again and I think I would hope that that Tom is the opportunity has the opportunity to carry the flag Ellie Simmons got to do it this time and I just put them in that same bracket Ellie and Tom because they both came through at what 13-14 in Beijing They've grown up in front of our eyes. They've matured in front of our eyes. They seemingly have done it in the right way without, you know, going off the rails at any point. And I would hope that if Ellie Simmons is retiring and whatever happens with Tom Daly over the next three years, that someone in authority is sitting those two down with our new young sporting superstars, whether that's Sky Brown or whoever, and saying, pick these guys' brains because they did it. And as Seb Coe said in London 2012, they did it right. They certainly did. As ever, you can get in touch with us. Did we do it right? At Anything But F on Twitter or message us on Insta and Facebook. Our website is anythingbutfooty.com or email anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. I would say one thing about the Paralympics, and that is that we need to stop focusing and seeing first the disability. And we need to focus and see first the ability and the sporting ability at an elite level and when I spoke to Ellie Robinson who we all saw on Channel 4 doing that really heartfelt interview she said it's fantastic the profile that the Paralympics gets but what we don't want is to be patronised and hopefully as each edition of the Paralympics goes on we will focus less on the patronising side of the coverage the bravery the inclusivity of it the inspirational stories of it and we will just focus on the split times and the medals and the podium positions and enjoying the sport for what it is sports social podcast network lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details